All right, so we are, um, we're not doing the same thing we did last year. We're not actually journeying all the way through the Bible this year. But I still felt like Genesis was a good place to start. We have been sticking to the beginning of Genesis. We've been kind of working slowly through a little bit. Um, but today I want to just kind of step back and uh, kind of talk about where we've been, what, where we're going, but the, the idea of this, the overarching theme of the Scriptures. Because every now and then it's good just to take, take a week, take a step back and just look at the big picture. Um, I think this is very helpful when, especially when you go to have conversations with people about God, um, to just have that overarching idea, that overarching theme, what is the main theme that we see painted throughout all of Scripture, Um, just to have that main theme, have a good grasp of it, um, because that is the that is the pivot point or the, the focal point. That is the focal point of our conversations with people. We talk about always wanting to have gospel conversations with people. Um, this morning in Sunday school, right as we were, right as we were let, letting loose from Sunday school, um, I kind of talked or mentioned this idea of what is our mission while we're here. Um, I, I do think that we should stay focused while we're here on this life, on what we have to do, um, to stay focused on the mission that we have. But one thing I mentioned was this life, this life is about the next. This life is about the next life. Um, That promise that God has given us, that future, that eternity, that that heaven, that salvation, that spending eternity with him in a new heaven. He's going to recreate the heavens and the earth. We're going to come and live on a new earth with him forever. That is the forever that we're going to spend. That is our forever. And it's important to keep that in mind. But you ask, why are we here now? What is this life about? Why do we have to go through this? Why do we have to go through the pain? Why do we have to go through the trouble? Why are we here? Why didn't we just go there forever? And that's the whole point. This life is about the next life. And so we're just going to take a, back, take a step back, look at the beginning, look at the overarching picture, and just have a good grasp of what the Bible itself is about um, to help us to navigate this life and have conversations with people, to stay focused on that mission. And what is that mission? That mission is kind of our mission statement here at the beginning is to love God on the front page of your bulletin, to love God, to love others, and to make disciples. While we're here on this earth, that is what we are to do. We're going to love God and love others forever but we're only going to make disciples in this little bit of time while we're here. So let's look at the beginning. In the beginning, God created everything, right? And he created all things good. And that's what a lot of people don't know. In the beginning, when God created, you know, of course, we as church people, we know this, but but when you're talking to, to most people who go through life on a daily basis, they just think this is how it's always been, this is how it always will be. No, God made everything good in the beginning. Genesis 1.31, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good indeed. Everything God made was very good indeed. Evening came and morning, the sixth day. And what was the last thing that he made that was so very good that finished all of creation? He made us. He created man in his own image. Genesis 1.27, so God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. So God created humanity in his own image. 
But then what we do? We fail. We sinned. We rebelled. But what did God do in response? Because if God was the God that most people that are against God say he is, and most people that don't like God and they, they are angry with God and they say that he's vicious and mean and cruel and heartless and all these things, if he really were that God, like many people say he is, what would he have done? He would have wiped us out from the very get-go. He would have said, no, I'm done with y'all. But he didn't. What did he do? He clothed us. Genesis 3.21 says, The Lord God made clothing from skins for the man and his, his wife, and he clothed them. He covered their sins, and he covered it with a sacrifice. That an innocent animal, sheep, goat, not sure what, he, what kind of skin it was, but an, an innocent sacrifice, an innocent animal was sacrificed to cover for their sins, pointing towards a sacrifice that would have to take place one day. He made a way for us to be forgiven if we would choose to repent and believe. Then you, he did also punish us. So let's not skip over that. He did curse the ground, curse us, talk about how women would give birth with, uh, in painful labor and men would work the ground through painful labor. Um, he did punish us for our sin. He doesn't just skirt sin under the rug as if it never happened. But he didn't give up on us. His love for us does not erase his hatred of sin. He told us that he would save us. In Genesis 3.15, he said, I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. So he gives a promise that one day... In the future, although they didn't understand it at the time, Adam and Eve didn't know what this meant. Most, throughout the Old Testament, people didn't quite understand what this, this meant. People started to figure it out as time went on and God revealed more and more and more and more. But God foretold that there would come a day when a descendant of Eve would come in conflict with the serpent and they would both deal to each other lethal blows. That the serpent would deal a lethal blow to the man's heel but the man's heel would crush a lethal blow to the serpent's head. It used the same word for both, that strike. And then we saw how that actually played out in the person of Jesus. Satan dealt a lethal blow to Jesus and killed him, had him crucified on a cross. But in so doing, in that striking of Jesus, and in dealing that lethal blow to him, in that Jesus dealt the final lethal blow to Satan as the perfect sacrifice for all of humanity. So God told that he would save us one day. And so then we move to Noah. We get to Noah, Genesis 6, 5. It says, When the Lord saw that human wickedness was widespread on the earth and that every inclination of the human mind was nothing but evil all the time, we see that God decided to flood the world. But even in so doing, even though it said that wickedness was widespread on the earth and every inclination of the human mind was nothing but evil all the time, we look again, he said it's not just humans but also creatures. 
Genesis 6, 11 through 13. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and the earth was filled with wickedness. God saw how corrupt the earth was for every creature had corrupted its way on the earth. Every creature, not just, not just humans. Then God said to Noah, I have decided to put an end to every creature for the earth is filled with wickedness because of them. Therefore, I'm going to destroy them along with the earth. So God destroys the entire earth and all, everything that has the breath of life in it. But again, he doesn't completely wipe us out. Again, he chooses to save us. He chooses to give us what? Another chance. He chooses to allow us to have a way of salvation to be saved. He destroyed the entire earth, but he still did not give up on humanity. He saved Noah and his family and continued to give us chance after chance. Then after the flood, we're given a long genealogy that ends with Abraham. We see the world continues in its rebellion against God, but yet again, God does not abandon us. Instead, he called one man out of all the people on earth to create a nation through him that would point all the people on earth to himself through faith. Genesis 12, 1 and 3, The Lord said to Abraham, Go out from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Uh, just a side note, I did forget to put this passage in our bulletin notes, Genesis uh, 12, 1 through 3, if you want to add that. But here we see God chooses a man, Abraham, in which to create a nation to point all the people on earth back to God. God is doing what? He's pursuing us. He's coming after us. He's not giving up on us. He's chasing after us. Because even in Abraham's day, again, as soon as Noah got off the ark, what did Noah do? He sinned. And again, his kids sinned, and then everybody kept on sinning over and over and over after that. It's the same story over and over and over and over and over. But God has the same story too. He doesn't give up on us. He doesn't do away with us. He doesn't abandon us. He continues to pursue us. And so he chose one man to form a nation through him that he would then use to point everybody to himself. Abraham was chosen by God to be the father of those who are saved and adopted as God's children to be in his family forever. He was chosen to be an example to everyone in the world of how to be right with God. It was not through works or through blood, but through simply trusting and believing God. Right standing with God, or righteousness, came not through our works, but through our faith. If we want to be right with God, if we want to be a child of God, we must do what Abraham did. We must believe him. We must trust him. I don't know exactly how old Abraham was when God showed him the stars, told him to look at the stars, and uh, told him that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars. But I know this, he was older than 75 because the scripture says he was 75 when he was made the promise that God would bless all the nations through him. That's how old he was when he made that promise. And he was younger than 86 because it was, he was 86 when he had Ishmael and they, God had made this 
had this conversation with Abraham in between those times. So he's somewhere between 75 and 86. He was in his 70s or 80s. And on top of that, just to, to go a little bit further, Abraham was, do you know how old he was when God promised him? Because he had a, he had a, he had a child, Ishmael, through Hagar, but not through Sarah, not with Sarah. God came back and told him, no, you're going to have a child with Sarah. You and Sarah are going to have a child. And that's who the nation's going to be come through. Do you know how old he was when God made him that promise and said, you will have a child with a son with Sarah? He was 99 years old. He was 100. He said, by this time next year, you will have a son with your wife. And sure enough, by that time next year, when he was 100 years old, he had a son with Sarah. So you start, you got to keep that in mind. You got to keep that he was 75 years old when they first called him, when God first called him. Okay? He was 99 years old when God said, No, you and Sarah are going to have a son. And that's who I'm going to trace this lineage through. You got to keep in mind how old he was because that plays into the whole conversation that God told him to look up at the stars somewhere in his 70s and 80s, told him to look up at the stars, and and he had no kids, none. And he said, as numerous as the stars are, if you can count them, if you can count them, that's how many descendants you'll have. And Abraham believed him. He believed him. Something that I can confidently say for myself And most of us, if we were honest, would probably say as well, we would not have. But Abraham did. And that's what God was looking for. Someone who will trust him and believe him, no matter how impossible it looks, the promises that he makes looks, no matter how impossible his promises seem, someone who will trust him and believe him. And that is who he chose to be the father of all, all of the nation of Israel. But then as Paul goes on to say, not just those who are Israel by birth, but those who are Israel by faith. Romans 4, 1 through 16 says this. What then? This is, this is Paul talking back about Abraham. He says, what then will we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, meaning we were descended by Abraham by birth, has found? If Abraham was justified by works, meaning doing the right things, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. And that's where that picture comes into mind. How, how impossible that story would have been to believe. How impossible it would have been to believe God. He said, but he believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. Now to the one who works, pay is not credited as a gift, but as something owed. But to the one who does not work, but believes on him who declares the ungodly to be righteous, his faith is credited for righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the person to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless acts are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the person the Lord will never charge with sin. And this blessing, is this blessing only for the circumcised then? Or is it also for the uncircumcised? 
For we say faith was credited to Abraham for righteousness. In what way then was it credited? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? It was not while he was circumcised, but uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while still uncircumcised. In other words, what he was saying is those who are of the Jewish family, the Israelite nation, it was a requirement that they must be circumcised and they could all point back to Abraham as their biological father. And they could say that our covenant with God, that God has made a covenant with us and said that we are the inheritors of eternal life, that he made that covenant with us by blood, that us as a nation. And so therefore, Our circumcision is a sign that we are saved and in that covenant with God. And Paul's saying, no. No, Abraham's circumcision that God told him to be circumcised was the circumcision was not the sign that he was in right relationship with God. The circumcision was a seal of the righteousness he already had by faith. He was in right standing with God because of his faith. And the circumcision was just an outward sign of his inward faith. And apart from that faith, you are not saved regardless of any outward sign. He said this was to make him the father of all who believe, but are not circumcised, so that the righteousness may be credited to them also. And he became the father of the circumcised, who are not only circumcised, but who also follow in the footsteps of the faith our father Abraham had while he was still uncircumcised. And so what Paul is saying is, yes, he is the father of the circumcised as well, but only those who follow in the footsteps of faith. Only the people in Israel that actually have faith. God saves you through faith, his grace through your faith, not through blood, not through nationality. But all who also who also follow in the footsteps of the faith our father Abraham had while he was still uncircumcised. For the promise to Abraham or to his descendants that he would inherit the world was not through the law, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. If those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made empty and the promise nullified, because the law produces wrath, and where there is no law, There is no transgression. And what he's saying is, just by being a national Israelite, just by being born an Israelite, if if you are an heir because of that, then he says, faith is completely made empty. If those who are of the law are heirs, Faith is made empty and the promise is nullified because the law produces wrath and where there is no law, there is no transgression. This is why the promise is by faith so that it may be according to grace to guarantee it to all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of Abraham's faith. He is the father of us all. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's go praise the Lord. Right. Nobody's doing the right. Right arm. 
All right. We will go through this whole song if I don't get some participation. I am one of them, and so are you. He is our Father through faith. And again, we read Galatians 3.8. Now the Scripture saw in advance that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and proclaim the gospel ahead of time to Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed through you. This has been the case from the very beginning. I skipped the verse earlier, but if you jumped back to it, Genesis 15, 6 is where God said for the first time, he said, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Genesis 15, 6. So when God brought Israel out of Egypt and gave them the law, and after the 40 years in the wilderness, when Moses was, you ready? 120 years old, okay? And about to die, he spoke to the nation for the last time and finished with these words. He said, this command that I give you today is certainly not too difficult or beyond your reach. And I'm going to repeat that to everyone here. This command that God has given us is not too difficult or beyond your reach. It is not in heaven so that you have to ask. Who will go up to heaven, get it for us, and proclaim it to us so that we may follow it? And it is not across the sea so that you have to ask, Who will cross the sea, get it for us, and proclaim it to us so that we may follow it? But the message is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, so that you may follow it. See, today I have set before you life and prosperity, death and adversity, for I am commanding you today, here's the command, to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commands, statutes, and ordinances, so that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God may bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not listen, and you are led astray to bow and worship to other gods and serve them, I tell you today that you will certainly perish and will not prolong your days in the land you are entering to possess across the Jordan. I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. So this is a command, and I'm going to keep going in just a second. This is a command that he said, I am giving you that is not too difficult for you. That's something that you can do. And he says, here is what you must do. You must choose life. You must choose to love the Lord your God. You must make a decision. And that has been the call from the beginning to the end. Every person must make a decision to choose to love God or not. It goes on. Love the Lord your God. Obey him and remain faithful to him, for he is your life, and he will prolong your days as you live in the land the Lord swore to give your fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Choose life. Paul uses the, quotes the same passage to reinforce verses that you have heard a thousand times. He says in Romans 10, he says this, 
Now remember everything we just read. He said, brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God concerning them, talking about the nation of Israel. He says, my, bro- my heart's desire and prayer to God concerning them is for their salvation. I can testify them that they have zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Since they are ignorant of the righteousness of God and attempted to establish their own righteousness, they have not submitted to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Since Moses writes about the righteousness that is from the law, Paul says Moses wrote about the righteousness from the law. And this is what Moses said, the one who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that comes from faith speaks like this. Do not say in your heart who will go up to heaven. Remember that? He said, he said the righteousness that comes by faith says this. And then he quotes the Deuteronomy that we, I just read to you. This is what he said about faith. Faith says, who, do not say in your heart who will go up to heaven, that is to bring Christ down. Or who will go down into the abyss? And even though Moses said, who will go across the sea? But still, that concept of Sheol and the abyss and sea, that was an interrelated concept. He said, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. On the contrary, what does it say? The message is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. He said, this is the message of faith that we proclaim. So Paul quotes that Old Testament passage in Deuteronomy from Moses, and he says that is the message of faith that has been proclaimed from the beginning and that we still proclaim today. He says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame since there's no distinction between Jew and Greek because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they're sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. So from the very beginning, God created things in the garden with Adam and Eve perfect. And that's how he wants things to be, with us living in him perfect. But we sinned. And God can't pretend that sin's not real. And God can't just sweep it under the rug. But God didn't abandon us. And he promised, you know what? You're going to have to have a sacrifice made to atone for your sins. But you're not going to be able to make it. I'm going to have to make it. And I'm willing to do that. I actually am going to choose to make that sacrifice for you so that I can forgive you. Because that's what I want. What does God want? He wants to forgive us. That's what he wants. And we, you see us, continually rebel, continually rebel, continually rebel. And what do you see him do? Continually pursue us, continually pursue us, continually pursue us in order to forgive us. Why does he do all this? Why? I mean, it's one thing to stand up here and say, this is what he did. This is what he did. This is what he did. But at the end of the day, it's all going to boil down to why? Why? 
Why would he do that? Why would he pursue us? Why would he send his son to die for us? And the answer is the same throughout the scripture. Old Testament, New Testament. You're not going to find any shortage of verses. Romans 5, 8. God proved his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Who doesn't know this one? Everybody probably doesn't know this one in this translation, but who doesn't know this verse in your own translation? For God loved the world in this way, or for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that everyone who would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Why did he do this? Why did he send his son? Why did he pursue us? Because he loves us. And love will cause people to do things that seem to be crazy. Love will cause people to pursue people when everybody else in the world would say, let them go. And that is what God has done for us. And if it's not any clearer than that, let's try to make it as clear as I can. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses, you are saved by grace. Why did he do it? Because of his great love for us. So no matter how your conversations go with people, no matter where they are, no matter what their view of God is, no matter what they think about this world, no matter, no matter what, the goal is to always come back right here. This is where you want to you steer the conversation. Wherever you got to start, you know where your finish line is. Your finish line is God does not want the world to be this way. God does not want people to kill each other. God does not want us to sin. God did, but because he has two options. He could just do away with us or he could allow us to continue on as we are and continue to pursue us. He has chosen to pursue us because he loves us. That's why. Why is there evil in the world? It may sound craziest, but because God loves us. I know that most people can't make that connection right off the bat, but that's the truth. Why is, does God allow evil in the world? Because he loves us. You say, well, how do you connect those dots? Because he's allowing us to continue to be born and have a chance to repent so that we could have relationship with him forever. Because if he just puts an end to all evil in the world, it means he puts an end to all people in the world. And when he puts an end to all people in the world, then we no longer have an opportunity to come into this world and have, an, uh, to have a relationship with him forever. But because he loves you and me, he did not come back a thousand years ago. Because he loves you and me, he did not come back 50 years ago. And because he loves you and me and everyone else, I don't know the day he's going to come back. But he said in 2 Peter, I do not delay, he does not delay his promises, meaning his promise to come back and make all things right. He does not delay his promises as some understand delay, but is being patient with us, 
not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. So why does he continue to allow evil in the world? Because he continues to allow us in the world. And he continues to allow us in the world because he loves us. And he wants to spend eternity with you and me. So no matter what conversation you have with anybody, wherever that conversation starts, this is what it all boils down to. Because God loves you. It does not mean he tolerates sin. It does not mean we can live however we want. But he does love us. And he does love you. Let's pray together. Father, the scripture says that we love because you first loved us. We wouldn't know what love is if you didn't if you weren't love, if you didn't show us love. You have defined love. You said that love is not self seeking. You said there's no greater love than someone would lay down their life for another. You have showed us love. The scripture says in 1 John that God is love, that you are love. And you have defined love. And perfect love is not a self-seeking love. It is a self-sacrificing love. And you have done that. You have sacrificed yourself for us. Which I think should never have happened because of how great you are and how glorious you are and how wonderful you are, we should not rebel against you. We should not despise you or, or sin against you. We should serve you. You should never have ever, ever served us. But you did because of your great love. The scripture says because of your love. And so, Father, I pray that everyone in this room knows that love. They know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. And Father, that they return it. That we know that we are loved by you and that we will spend the rest of our lives loving you and loving others, the ones you love. And while we're here on this earth in the time we have to grow and be disciples who make disciples. Father, we thank you for your promise of a beautiful future a future with no more pain and suffering and sickness and death, no more heartache. And Father, we do look forward to that. But Father, we know that you have, have promised that it's not that far away. None of us have promised how long we get on this earth. And even if we live to be 120 like, like Moses did, Father, that's still just a blink of time in light of eternity. So Father, I ask you to help us use our time wisely to make the most of the conversations and the relationships that we have, to always point people back to your love and your, your command of us to place our faith in you, to believe you, to trust you, to turn from sin. Father, we love you. And Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your sacrifice. In Jesus' holy and precious and eternal name we pray. Amen. If you would please stand and join us for this last song. I am glad that Father Abraham has many sons and daughters all around this world. Throughout time, 
and into the future. And one day, I got a feeling we're all going to be doing that little dance up in heaven. <laughs> if you are not 100% sure that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are in fact a son or a daughter of God, do not leave this place today without making sure. Talking to me, talking to a deacon, talking to somebody. Because it's just too important to not know. Let's pray one last time. Father, we love you and we thank you for your offer and invitation for us to be forgiven and spend eternity with you. That if we would place our faith in you and turn from sin to you, that you would forgive us of all sin, all sin, that we would not have to live in guilt. We would not have to worry about the future. We would not have to be afraid. We would know what our future holds and we would earnestly and eagerly and it, it, as, with as much effort and determination as we can share that message of love to this whole world while we're here until you call us home. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your son. We thank you for our lives. And we thank you for the future. In Jesus' holy and precious and eternal name we pray. Amen.